Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season one, episode 19, starring the crown prince of terror, Vincent Price. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here to discuss... Potentially the strangest 30 minutes of television <laughs> I I think I have ever seen. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Jade, why don't you uh, start us off with a little production information? Yeah, so this episode was originally broadcast in the UK on the 23rd of April 1977, which I was pretty shocked by because you would think it would be maybe slightly nearer to Halloween than that, but no, <laughs> it's not. Um, and... As we know by now, the production code lists it as the 19th episode made and therefore Disney Plus have included it as episode 19. And in line with a lot of the other episodes in this season, it was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell and directed by Peter Harris. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Vincent Price needs no introduction. But Emma, what gems have you uncovered about our, uh, <laughs> yeah, our crown prince of terror as, as Kermit introduced him? Our ghost host with <laughs> yes. the most. Yeah. Vincent Price was an actor and he was best known for his parts in cult horror films of the 50s and 60s. So he was in The House of Wax, The Telltale Heart, The Fly. He was signed to Universal and his kind of contemporaries were... Boris Karloff, Peter Cushing, Basil Rathbone, Christopher Lee, and he appeared in many horror films over that period of time. He also, um, later on, he was actually the creator of Edward Scissorhands in the film, and he was Rattigan in Disney's The Great Mouse Detective, that (laughs) classic Disney film. And then I found quite a nice quote um, about him, which said, one raise of his eyebrow and you knew you were about to be thrilled by a debonair, evil, yet sympathetic villain. So, yeah, Vincent Price. Vincent Price. I can never really see Vincent Price on screen without thinking of the uh, series of SNL skits uh, performed by Bill Hader, yeah. where he has his uh, <laughs> Vincent Price's Halloween, which is usually him, uh, Liberace, played by... Oh, his name's gone out of my head. From Portlandia. Oh, Fred Armiston. Fred Armiston. And then usually <laughs> Kristen Wiig turning up as some kind of uh, old old age Hollywood actress. <laughs> and uh, he's just such a unique character, Vincent Price. It's I think I've actually only really interacted with the idea of him, as in people doing impressions of him or him turning up on The Simpsons. Well, somebody playing him on The Simpsons. Or on the Michael Jackson thriller song. I I don't think I've ever actually watched a Vincent Price performance, apart from, as Emma mentioned, in Edward Scissorhands. Have you not seen Laura with Gene Tierney? He's in that. No, I haven't. Sorry, I was like, wait, have I? Is that the one with the uh, lesbian uh, butler lady? I was like, no, that's Rebecca. No. <laughs> that's a different first name. <laughs> in Laura. Different name. <laughs> and, um... Oh... What's, he's in another film with Gene Tierney as well, which the name has completely escaped me. But that's like a film noir that's um, really good. 
and oh, I'm just thinking what else. I he was I and I know that they've put it back in now. I feel like very topical for this week with Haunted Mansion. Muppets Haunted Mansion. But Muppet Haunted Mansion. He did the original voice work for the Disneyland Paris haunted mansion and then they replaced it with a french soundtrack and now when they did the big renovation of the ride uh, i think from 2019 onwards it's now a mix of vincent price's narration and the french narration which oh, i don't believe any of us have been to disneyland paris since that's been put in but that's um that's what i've read so no, when peter and i went in 2018 it was closed for its refurbishment yeah so, so that yeah. was when they were doing it but yeah i think like i mean i haven't seen him in tons of stuff i was also reading and obviously it comes up in the episode he was like a foodie and he had his own he had like cookbooks and he had his own tv show Love and like it. multiple tv shows about cooking diversifying <laughs> absolutely bizarre i can't think of anything more alarming than learning to cook from vincent price <laughs> I can't see him doing the kind of Nigella-style aspirational <laughs> welcome to my beautiful kitchen microwave. It would just be spooky and a little bit camp and creepy. <laughs> well, very camp. It'd probably be like that other guy who they always show on Saturday Kitchen, who's always cooking in a field in the 70s, or like cooking in like an actual kitchen on a boat or something, and it's always the most disgusting food ever. <laughs> like... <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't know oh, his name. Are you talking about Keith Floyd? Oh, maybe Emma. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Yeah. I don't know how we got to Keith Floyd from Vincent Price, but <laughs> cooking. <laughs> He's a man of many talents. Well, it's funny that uh, he was such a sort of culinary fan, considering how many jokes in this episode relied upon somebody being eaten. <laughs> so yes. perhaps we should jump into the episode now, uh, because. Well, we have to eventually. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start with this episode. It was, it was crazy. I'm just going to leave my cards on the table from the off. I loved it. What I what I really liked about it was that it actually had a theme, and that the theme rang through the oh, entire yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> they have theme <laughs> but like we haven't seen that no. before but also it, it meant that there was this cohesion to it and and you had like the characters like the ghosts for example and i guess like uncle deadly as well popping up throughout the episode in different sketches and i really liked that they'd you know that they'd gone all in they hadn't gone oh it's vincent price but actually you know what we're just gonna make him do something muppety no it's vincent price like we're gonna we're gonna work with that like, I think, to me, a lot of the episodes that we've had problems with, you haven't either got a sense of the host or they haven't really kind of seemed to sort of lean into one thing or another. Like, it's all felt very bitty and choppy. To me, this episode did not feel like that at all. Like, it felt very, very flowing and cohesive. And, it, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't madcap, because it totally was. And like, like you said, most of the jokes revolved around people just being eaten. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all done in the name of like, Muppet Monsters. Mm. So it made sense to me. <laughs> I appreciated a clear through line. Absolutely. And it did have a, as you said, cohesion to it. I just mean more the content itself was all just very, very mad. Let's jump into the first skit after we have the introductions and we get a sort of idea from Kermit that things are going to be a little bit unconventional with these little flappy bats <laughs> popping up <laughs> at the beginning we go into uh under my skin let the scariness begin 
got you. You've got me. <laughs> Under my skin. Under your skin. I've got you. You've got me. Deep in the heart of me. That's very true. So deep in my heart. Oh. You're really a part of me. I don't want to be a part of you. I've got you. Yeah, I just thought it was quite funny. You had this big Muppet. I think he's called Beer Mouth or something. And he was Behemoth. Beer Mouth, yeah. yeah. He's started to sing quite a random song. And you're like, okay, what's hap- what's going to happen here? And then he eats the tiny little Muppet monster. And then it's kind of like him singing. And then the tiny little Muppet monster replying and being quite terrified and popping up. And like the bit where he squirts out the water and then he appears out of his back. And then he brings him out of his mouth and he's slightly lifeless. And then obviously the puppeteer puts his hand back into the Muppet and he's alive again. And then he's like back in and then he finishes off with a bit of K Sarah Sarah. Yeah, a really random, kind of funny, um, weird, a macabre kind of gurgling. Duet. Yes, yes. <laughs> I thought it was really clever how they did it because obviously like when Shaky Sanchez is the name of the little oh. <laughs> the little Muppet that was getting eaten. Oh, poor Shaky. Poor Shaky. Um, but like He was terrified. He was so terrified. <laughs> and when he was in Behemoth, it was so good. It was Jim that was actually um puppeteering Shaky. Mm. And like to have him you know, like you said, Emma, like in his mouth and then sort of like leaning out a little bit and then popping up through the shoulder and everything. Like there was a craft to it mm. that they really, really pulled off. And yeah, I mean, it was totally zany and crazy and, and absolutely like kind of terrifying in places. <laughs> but it's like, it was very, very enjoyable. It was. Very good fun. It was. And I do love uh, Behemoth as a creation. I really enjoy just how he moves and how he looks. The first time I actually saw him was in, he pops up very briefly, I think in either The Muppets or The Muppets Most Wanted, just as one little cutaway mm-hmm. moment. And I remember thinking, who is that? He looks fun. <laughs> so it was cool. To, he's popped up in a couple of other skits that we've seen, but this is the first time we've had him really as a, a big feature. And it is a gorgeous puppet, like the way that mouth moves. And just, I was glad that, he isn't any scarier looking than he is. Do you know what I mean? I think I would, that would have maybe tipped the sketch too far over for me into some sort of like, I'm not sure about this, but because he's so like open and he's, you know, that lovely 1970s shaggy mustard (laughs) colour, I didn't feel too alarmed. I think it just goes back to that thing that I've talked about and I can't remember which episode I talked about it on. That slightly more dangerous Muppet element that really doesn't have a place in the what the Muppets are now. But back in the 70s, there was this slight edge, occasional edge to them that could appear where uh, sketches were maybe more risky or a bit risque or dangerous in some kind of way. And this whole episode had that kind of sense of, I don't feel on familiar, safe comfortable cozy ground with the Muppets this week which you know is very interesting to watch and to see it's funny that it's just not something that's within their wheelhouse anymore they are just sort of a troop of fun wacky performers and not potentially a bit like 
I think you get it a little bit now. Like, I think they still lean into it with the sort of villain characters. But I think I know what you mean. Like, it would be unlikely. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. Like, this obviously reminded me of the Sherlock Holmes case of the disappearing clues where, like, everyone was obviously just getting eaten. I cannot imagine a scenario now where Miss Piggy would be eaten by anyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, that's just not going to happen, is it? Um, But I think you're right, Lewis. I think, like... Behemoth as an actual puppet, like, he's quite furry and he's quite Mm. cuddly. And he actually reminds me of the monster in Monsters, Inc. who keeps getting shaven because he keeps getting socks left on him. And they're like, 2319! And then they have to shave him. And yeah, like, kind of similar-esque vibe. Like, he's not a sort of big, scary monster, is he, to Mm. look at particularly. Like, there's an element of cuteness to him even though he is clearly just going to eat anything he can basically (laughs) Um, the obsession with everything being eaten on this episode there was barely a sketch where it didn't happen is there no other spooky thing a muppet can do apart from apparently eat the other one (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like it's yeah I guess I guess they did want to keep it family friendly, didn't they? And there's still just that element of like absurdity with that that means it's not full on horror. It's yeah. just a bit silly. Yeah, that's true. I suppose even yeah. I was thinking not quite a jump scare, but somebody being like boo or something could potentially be a bit alarming. But then again, at this time in the 70s on Doctor Who, they were doing some freaky stuff that and they didn't care if they messed up some kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. I mean, there was a couple of jump scare moments. Two of the ghosts like ganged up on the other third ghosts and and made her jump. And then I think there was sort of that moment with the ghosts and Fozzie and Gonzo as well, wasn't there, where they kind of jumped. But it was very, Mm. like, you're right, it wasn't, they were kind of fleeting moments. It wasn't like there was lots of rising tension. And then we got like a big, the audience were clearly not meant to jump out of their seats at all during this episode. Even, even if the Muppets were jumping a little bit. The only thing that... I don't know why it keeps reminding me of this. But the sort of spooky vibe that they had in this episode reminds me of... You know one of those like indoor soft plush playgrounds? And I'm trying to remember if it's a specific one I went to as a child. Maybe it was Space Ace <laughs> or something. And there was a little spooky corner in one of them that had like <laughs> these... Uh, elastic strings across a portion of a dark corridor that was like a spider's web and there was a very kitsch spooky looking castle painted onto one of the Mm -hmm. walls and everything was all a bit dark but in a blue purple kind of way and I kept getting that vibe from this episode it was unlocking some memories in my head I don't know (laughs) I don't know if either of you can remember what the hell I'm talking about I don't but I know what you like it is very much in that kind of playful silly haunted house it like yeah i mean it's very much like kind of ghost train vibes isn't it like it's not it's not none of it's you know we're not talking about like hammer horror or like actual scary (laughs) i wasn't expecting to be fair i wasn't no you know what you made me think actually it's a bit like regional family parks like for example portland's park or something like that Mm -hmm. where it's like their horror vibe and then it's not it's the cheap. same level i think as we like... mean cheap is the word we're dancing around <laughs> yeah. 
Shout out to Poltons. <laughs> it's a hoot hoot at Poltons Park. Lewis, were you in one of the adverts for Poltons? Or have I made that up? I wish. I didn't I get say, uh, booked as a child. I was not a child star. No, I remember they, they put a call out on, through Stagecoach for people to go and be in the advert. And I thought well, you'd... not no. me, Jade. <laughs> Sorry, me neither, Lewis. Me neither. Ah. <laughs> okay, fine. I was neither booked nor busy as a child. <laughs> I think they're very consciously treading the line of we know children are watching this and we don't want to push it too far. Mm. I mean, I guess it is essentially like Mickey's not so scary Halloween or whatever. It's like pumpkins in the shape of Mickey Mouse, but no one actually coming out to terrify you. <laughs> like, <laughs> eat the candy, children, yeah. and say boo. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I suppose perhaps we got it with the... We, I don't want to sort of uh, talk too much about things we haven't gotten to yet. I liked the creativity of the ghosts, the way they were shot, and I enjoyed at least one of the three sketches where somebody got eaten. I think perhaps I just expected, if not scares or horror, but a bit of creativity with it. But instead, we just got a lot of Muppets that we have kind of seen already doing something that we have already seen them do. The only thing that was really different was these specific ghost Muppets. Everything else was a bit familiar, but kind of on mass, it was like the Comedy Tonight opening meets that Sherlock Holmes sketch, but for an entire episode and not just an isolated sketch. I, like, I can see what you mean. I do feel, though, like, that Comedy Tonight opening, to me, everything was dialed up to 11. This did not have that same level of, like, frenetic energy the whole way through. Mm. This felt a little bit more considered and a lot more... I don't want to say sedate because the episode did have a pace to it, but it certainly... Well, we don't know what uh, medication Vincent Price was on at that point. No, that's true. (laughs) No, but like that Comedy Tonight sketch, even thinking back to it now, like it starts to fill me with like a bit of rising anxiety. (laughs) It's just like, it was so insane. (laughs) But this, this didn't have that. That was just... Yeah, this was just like a poodle around a ghost train at a fun fair. A poodle around (laughs) a ghost train? (laughs) Yep. Yep, you can quote me on that. <laughs> well, there's your uh, episode description for the week. And Jade poodles around a ghost train. <laughs> yep, that's fine. Done. <laughs> but I like I, I do take your point, Lewis, about actually like there wasn't other than the ghosts, which I loved as well. Mm. It was Muppets that we'd already seen doing things that we'd already seen them do. There wasn't no innovation. Innovation. Well, See, I think that's a bit too... I think that's taking it too far because I think the ghosts were quite innovative. Okay, fine, yeah, fine, yeah. I mean, I did credit the ghosts, but I just wanted more. I just wanted more. <laughs> Should we poodle over to the uh, the runner for the week? I just want to keep using the word poodle now. <laughs> we can use the word poodle. poodle. Yes, sure. <laughs> Where basically we meet, well, after some fun, fun with pronouns... <laughs> 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 I once again was on the edge of my seat, sort of willing the 1970s Muppets not to say anything that would scan terribly in 2021. <laughs> Please don't say anything bad, Kermit. <laughs> I think Scooter's got the pronouns down, though, you know, Scooter's... Yep, I'm giving another little push on the... Uh, scooter, <laughs> scooter, scooter. The Scooter, Scooter. He's getting one more little push from me. A, a willing push, but you know, let's got no I'm not chasing after him yet to or be pushing like, him down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a just a steady incline now, rather than a full hill which he would fall and die. Uh, 
But we are introduced to the three-headed Muppet. I have not looked at Muppet Wiki. Please, Jade or Emma, tell me what this uh, Muppet was called. <laughs> Emma, did you look it up what you want me to say? I think it, wasn't it Tom, Dick and Harry? It is Tom, Dick and Harry, but you, we actually find out that its name is Tom, Dick and Harry next week. So I think it at this It comes point- back? Yes, Lewis. Tom, Dick and Ooh. Harry are coming back. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) They were such a hit. (laughs) But I think at this point they are just triple-headed monster or triple-headed Muppet. Wow, they really thought they didn't exhaust all of the potential from this uh, creation, eh? (laughs) There's always more. There's always more. (laughs) Can't wait to see how Valerie Harper deals with that. (laughs) Yeah, so this runner was fine. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I did realise on my second viewing the patter of, I'm going to call them Tom, Dick and Harry because it's easier to say. Um, The patter of Tom, Dick and Harry really reminded me of that sort of old school comedy writing and actually reminded me a lot of how Daniel Palladino writes his episodes of Gilmore Girls and Maisel and everything. He's owned up to this himself, but you know, it's essentially some sort of take on who's on first. And you sort of had that with the three of them where they kept Mm. setting each other up for these little, these little like bits of shtick. But I didn't hate the overall runner that actually like, We've got an essentially a new Muppet that wants to come on the show and be part of the gang. And Kermit's like, we've got no room for you. But they're just hanging around and, and trying their best. And yeah, like, it was fine. Like, I'd, I'd much rather have that than some of the stuff we've had earlier on in the season. Emma, what, what did you make of the runner? Yeah, I thought it was quite good. It was, I mean, Tom, Dick and Harry, it was quite funny. There were a few good gags and moments with them. Um, but I have to say there was like one runner, I can't remember, I think it's a bit later on, which I found a little bit creepy where Kermit was looking and then there was like a hand that moved across the desk. Yes. Yeah. I was like, yes. whoa, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Tom, Dick and Harry. I'm scared. <laughs> Emma's a very sensitive child. <laughs> I was. Although Emma was always brave enough to go in the haunted mansion and I was not. <laughs> True. Although I don't think I always used to look at everything. I think I used to like focus on the safety bar sometimes. (laughs) Emma! (laughs) (laughs) But we never even, I don't know about you Jade, but Emma and I never really watched scary movies or horror films. I mean, I introduced (sighs) Emma to Scream, but that's because the Scream movies... I mean, it's just a bunch of stabbing and film references. So I'm like, I can I can deal with this fine. I mean, I didn't watch that many horror films growing up. Like, it was definitely not one of our, like, preferred genres as a family. <laughs> but I think at a certain point, I started to get a bit curious myself about things. I remember seeing The Ring when I was definitely too young to see The Ring and being scared out of my wits for oh god days. the like peer pressure to go see that at the cinema and i was literally just like why would i waste five pounds to go <laughs> see this film <laughs> i remember being taken on a friend's birthday to see uh the jackie chan vehicle the tuxedo uh and- <laughs> jackie chan vehicle <laughs> the tuxedo <laughs> comedy classic and that movie was a 12a so we had to go with our friend's parent and before the movie The Tuxedo, they showed a trailer for The Ring. And I was <laughs> terrified. <laughs> like, truly terrified. <laughs> I couldn't touch a videotape for about four days. And that was just from the advert. I can't under- I can't even think what I would have been like had I seen the actual film. 
<laughs> I remember just hearing secondhand about it from other people about what happened in it and just being, oh, no. I was, I was terrified for, I mean, it probably wasn't even days. It was probably weeks. Like, I mean, I was just, I was just, you know, but I, I think I've always had an interest in the darker love things like the Adams family haunted mansion has always been one of my favorite rides at disney when we did used to go to disneyland paris around halloween time which we did a couple of times they disneyland paris actually did a far scarier halloween than you would have got in the like, europeans are not fucking exactly. about <laughs> and i remember like there being these like ginormous... we're going to scare the shit out of these kids <laughs> They basically uh, did. There were like these like ginormous monstery men on stilts. Yes. And they would come and they would like play with your hair and they would like I mean they would not be allowed to do it now, I'm sure of it. But like it was no, it was Do you remember that, Lewis, when we went at Halloween? I now that you said that, I can remember going at Halloween. I remember all the decorations. I remember us all getting our uh hair sprayed ridiculous <laughs> colours because they had like a station where you could get it done. And you mentioning the men on stilts has triggered a memory for me but (laughs) something that was deeply repressed (laughs) 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 but no i do i do i do remember that it's it's just that strange thing isn't it where i don't like being scared but i do have a morbid fascination with it so even if i don't go and see a horror movie i do want to read a lot about it or find (laughs) out about it so for example when get out came out i pulled myself together as like, I have to go see this film and uh, and also because I think Peter is even more of a scaredy cat than I am oh I had to be I had to be the brave face <laughs> I had to be like it's a, a a horror drama but I think it's also meant to be a comedy it's it's apparently somebody said something about the Stepford Wives and we can deal with the Stepford Wives it's fine and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just Matthew Broderick you'll be fine but <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 so, and I do, I loved Get Out and, and then saw us as well, but did actually ask the patron at the cinema before we went in, have you seen this film? And the woman was like, yes, I have. I had to ask, am, am I going to be, am I going to be scared in this? Like, how, how prepared should I be? And she just went, well, you'll just have to find out. And I was like, that's not helpful. <laughs> stupid city screen. Oh, no, no, sorry, stupid picture house. Your love of cinema. <laughs> One year for Halloween, we went to Fuerteventura in Spain mm. and they went like full out for Halloween. And there was, I think it was like their wooden roller coaster or something. But, and we didn't realise this because we'd never been before. It was like totally new. They'd basically done this walkthrough that involved people like coming at you with like chainsaws and stuff. And it turned out you didn't actually have to go through that to get on the ride. But when you got there, obviously no one told you like, oh, if you, you know, if this isn't really your bag, you can go this way. So we like just go through this section of the queue and are getting like completely terrified. And then we'd also signed up to go to like their oh Halloween scary nighttime thing and that was utterly petrifying it was probably like the scariest thing i've ever ever done and somehow me and my mum ended up at the front of our group so we were literally like the first people going through all you were the mineshaft was... canaries just being sent in to... <laughs> <laughs> just like never to be seen again <laughs> but i will say one of the coolest halloweens that we ever we were in 
Disneyland Anaheim in California one year for Halloween. So it wasn't like super scary because it was Disney. Yeah. But one of the things that they'd done was they put people in some of the rides. So at the end of Pinocchio, there was an, you know, an actor dressed up as Geppetto who your vehicle stopped and then he came to life. And that was obviously like pretty cool. But the one that was truly terrifying was in the Haunted Mansion. And we didn't obviously know this was going to happen. Someone got on the back of our Doom buggy and leant round and like jump scared <gasps> us as we were you know like on that oh bit where you're going backwards and you're tilted backwards yeah yeah so now yeah. whenever i go on haunted mansion i'm just like wait i know it's never gonna happen again but i'm just waiting for someone to like <laughs> hop around from the side and be like ah and it was so scary i swear i remember on that uh imagineering documentary them talking about that they used to have human <laughs> actors on the haunted mansion like men in suits of armor and i think they stopped it only because <laughs> the people who were performing as those suits of armor used to keep getting punched <laughs> yeah, well, honestly <laughs> I think it, they are lucky that they did it to me and my mum and not my sister was with my dad. I'm pretty sure if they'd done that to my sister and my dad, my dad would have punched them. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas me and my mum just like huddled together for fear of our lives. So, oh, yeah. Dear. That's fun. Well, uh, let's... Uh, Diversion. Let's, <laughs> let's ride on our doom buggies and pootle ourselves towards the, the, uh, the first big sketch featuring Vincent. Aided first by an introduction from Hilda where we find out Hilda's from Transylvania. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I thought we were just getting generic Eastern Europe, but now it's uh, we're deep in vampire country. I really enjoyed this sketch. I really loved that it was properly set up as Gonzo and Fozzie have booked what they called a summer cottage, which was obviously <laughs> fairly amusing, um, using the Vampire Weekly. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I loved Vampire Weekly. That good. was good. Um, and then, yeah, that like the ghosts came in and then there was the knock on the door and Vincent got to make his big entrance and get a round of applause for coming through the door. And like, <laughs> it was just, it was a proper sketch. It felt really in keeping with Fozzie and Gonzo's characters. Like Fozzie and Gonzo weren't playing other characters. They were Fozzie and Gonzo who had got like, do you know what I mean? Like it felt, it felt yes, very Muppets. It did. It had a feel more of a, suddenly a television special mm -hmm. rather than a sketch within the Muppet show. And it's that shift that I think we'll see more of into season two, where it's these firmly established characters and maybe they'll take on another persona in a sketch. But I wonder if we're going to get more and more of, Gonzo being Gonzo, Fozzy being Fozzy, within the world of whatever sketch or skit or song that they are performing. But yes, it did feel like a, a sudden step forward in that sense of, oh yeah, it's Fozzy and Gonzo are at a haunted house. Or oh, a castle <laughs> that they've rented. <laughs> I wonder how much it cost. <laughs> Find it listed on Airbnb or Landmark Trust. I thought it was really good. And like you said, it definitely had a better setup and even like the set and like the effort and like the quality of the background and everything. And it was great. I think, you know, Vincent really hammed it up and played it well. Mm. And it was, um, it was nice was to see That was some glazed ham. That was some glazed ham, yeah. And then obviously we got to see Uncle Deadly and he came in on quite a good joke as well when he was like the most hideous monster and my assistant. And then he like drops in and he was like, that's my assistant. I thought that was quite a funny bit. Although I did think the crescendo of the sketch where we got into the bit where he's going to turn into a like terrible 
monster animal and then it he turns into jack parnell <laughs> i was like that's a bit of a random ending who the hell is jack parnell hold on i will tell you about jack parnell in a second but before we get there i have to give it up for vincent price's reading of the line and then i get me yes it was so calm yes it was hysterical <laughs> it was so calm. this every moment with vincent price was incredibly yeah. calm I really want to see him in an actual movie now and see what how he dials that up or down <laughs> dependent you know if is he like this in Laura <laughs> His character in Laura is is probably a bit camp but it's it's on a bit of a different level I guess like it's definitely dialed down It's more uh, uh, yes uh, chaotic evil camp rather than I mean we'll get to it his look to camera <laughs> after he tried to eat Kermit was <laughs> Honestly, one of the most alarming things I've ever seen. So to get back to the Jack Parnell quote, Jack Parnell was the conductor of the Muppet Show Orchestra throughout the entire run of the Muppet Show. And he was also a very famous orchestra leader at the time. Oh, okay. I found out that, so that was for British audiences, but for American audiences, and actually when I rewatched it, I could see Uncle Deadly's mouth moves for one extra syllable. Um... The joke was for Guy Lombardo, who I did mean to look up before we started recording and I didn't. Do either of you know who Guy Lombardo is? No. Not a damn clue. I didn't even look up Jack Parnell and his name was mentioned. <laughs> I know the only reason I didn't was because I knew one of you two would do it. Is he like the American equivalent of Jack Parnell? So it says he was a Canadian-American band leader, violinist, and, oh, another man of many talents, hydroplane racer. Good grief. <laughs> He formed the Royal Canadians in 1924 with his brothers Carmen, Liebert and Victor and they billed themselves as creating, you ready for this, the sweetest music this side of heaven. Mm, Wonderful. So, there you go. Well, there we are. (laughs) (laughs) But I I agree with you, Emma. It it was a bit of a, from a 2021 viewing, uh, the crescendo being uh, an obscure reference was a bit of a, a bit of a shame. I don't know if the writing was particularly strong in this sketch. There were a couple of great jokes and we have mentioned them. But when you've got Vincent Price, do you know what I mean? I, I felt they could have just, just done a bit more with it. What? I don't know. I do not know. But <laughs> <laughs> I am Reese. Do what? That's no reference. Sorry. <laughs> but... I, I, I was a little disappointed when, you know, you've got all of these elements here and this is the the sum total of what you've put into it. You've got Fozzie, Gonzo, Vincent Price, A Haunted House, Uncle Deadly, ghosts. some cool ghosts. I, I was going to the ghosts, <laughs> very cool ghosts and a lovely set. And then it was just the writing. <laughs> it did feel to me a little bit like he was getting his like star turn on the staircase or in the dressing room, but it just happened to be taking place in the haunted house. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it felt like he could have just been Juliet Prowse or Cody Stevens or someone on that backstage <laughs> set. Just like, here I am, <laughs> applause, I'm going to say a few lines, and then we'll move on. Yes. I kind of forgave it for all of that because it was just so nice to see Fozzie and Gonzo in a sketch together that didn't just involve bad puns and them both being sad sacks and yeah. it just felt so muppety it felt like it like you said it felt either more like a tv special or even almost felt more like 
I don't know, like the setup of a film or something, really. Like I'm not... Okay, let's not go nuts. No, All no, right. no, but the, set, the setup, I mean. I don't mean like the actual, oh, okay. the whole sketch, but just like, I mean, God's sake, it's literally what Muppets Haunted Mansion's going to be. Gonzo goes to a haunted house. <laughs> Muppets Haunted Mansion. That's, that's what it is. You know, I'm not, like, I do not, not actually the sort of gags and the way that it all played out, but like the... The conceit, yeah. They'd at least sort of set mm. it up in that way was, was so nice. Mm. And then we had the great bit with Statler and Wardorf and Thudge McGurk, <laughs> which is just the Miss Kitty Muppet dressed up with an extra eye and some extra bits of fur and fangs and stuff, which was just... Oh, <laughs> I like how playful they're being with Statler they and are. Wardorf in their box at the moment. Yeah. When Statler went flying. <laughs> um, that Did you notice how long he seemed to be in the A air really for? A like, really long time. Oh, no. To the point where I wasn't sure whether... Well, I suppose they couldn't have lobbed him. I guess they must have just yanked him up via string from above. Yeah, I guess so. Because he didn't have that kind of... You know, as we've often seen when they lob some Muppets about, <laughs> there wasn't the kind of launch off and the legs flailing. No. He he went up quite, he went yeah. straight up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, he definitely must have like been Like he strings. was uh, one of the children in Mary Poppins being like sucked up the chimney. Yeah. It's like, whoop! <laughs> <laughs> there goes another one. Uh, I agree with, uh, sorry, what was it? Fudge McGilligan Magoo? Fudge McGurk. Fudge McGurk. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Fudge McGurk uh, uh, Popcorn with some butter uh, Absolutely, yes please It's one thing I'm gutted that we don't really have over in this country Is the uh, <laughs> option to get just hot melted butter over our popcorn <laughs> I would come out with like a fine The way I eat popcorn in the cinema Where it's just I slap my hand into the, <laughs> the box or bowl And just mash my hand towards my mouth And you know maybe 85% of the popcorn successfully gets into my mouth And the other remaining 15% just falls about my person Like a like a flaky pastry on a librarian's bosom Like it just sort of <laughs> lands around <laughs> myself But you would just have that plus hot butter So I would just probably come out with a Joker-style sheen across the bottom <laughs> half of my face from where the butter has just been pressed across and congealed slowly. Just, uh. <laughs> maybe not congealed, but just a, a, a fine No, it sheen. would. It would congeal. If you were watching a two-hour movie and you'd just been slapping it on. <laughs> well, I'm sure I would pop to the lobby at some point to, uh, <laughs> in a particularly dull moment for a bathroom break or to get myself some more snacks. <laughs> Speaking of snacks, oh no, oh, that would have been such a good uh, link-in if we weren't, if we didn't have to stop at Wayne and Wander on the way to the panel show. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid Wayne and Wander. Damn you, Wayne and Wander. <laughs> well, we'll poodle, we'll poodle over to Wayne and Wander before we uh, go get ourselves some snacks at the panel show. Uh, I mean... The very natural, the very normal Wayne and Wanda as <laughs> Sam the Eagle and Juicer. Because that's who you want to see on a variety show, isn't it? Someone who's very normal. That's what everyone's yeah. signing up for. What a thrill. <laughs> see, I'm yawning even just thinking about it. I don't know about you two, but I only realised what the song lyric was that she was bewitched when she turned into the blue frackle when I actually looked it up. Because it happened at the exact moment that she said the word bewitched. And I think I was so shocked at her suddenly turning into the little blue monster that i was like i was like oh 
I don't know what's happened here. Oh, see, as a very cultured person, I was well aware of the song Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered, so I was anticipating what was going to happen <laughs> on Bewitched. <laughs> I wondered if we were going to get a, uh, you know, an Elizabeth Montgomery. That would have been <laughs> <Sun> better. <laughs> like, <laughs> God, it would have been. Yeah, it was fine. Although it would have made more sense if she turned into a witch. I guess, again, it was in keeping with the the episode and, like, just general monsteriness, wasn't it? I don't know. Yes, perhaps we should just be grateful that she wasn't eaten by something. Exactly, exactly. I did also make a note of her fox scarf. I don't know if either of you noticed that. Wanda was wearing a full-on fox scarf in this episode, and it did remain even after she turned into the blue the blue frackle. So I was like... <laughs> well, you know. Good for you, Wanda. It's always good to have a, a statement piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can only hope it's vintage. Probably wasn't. It was the 70s. <laughs> Poor Sam. Every time he comes on to introduce them, though, he's, he's so full of hope. <laughs> it just never, never materialises to anything. I thought it was quite nice that, you know, sometimes when we sing them, their gag, you're kind of waiting. You know what's going to happen and it's quite painful and slow. I did think the delivery was quite quick mm-hmm. um, this so week. So you're saying at least it wasn't long. <laughs> at least it wasn't long. Yeah. But like you both said, I think it... it it would have been good if we had something a bit different and not monster-based. But, you know, it's it's Wayne and Wanda. We kind of know not to expect too much with their uh, performances now. <laughs> it also seems weird to me, considering the song is bewitched, bothered and bewildered, that Wayne didn't either become bothered or bewildered. Like, you've got, you've actually got a... Well, he reacted... He was like... Yeah, but then he just kept singing. No, but that was the point, wasn't it? Because he was both bothered and bewildered, am I? Because he's just seen his partner. It was just a crap joke. That's all it was. I didn't even get that he was bothered and bewildered. Like, he just looked at me like he just looked over and was like, oh, that's happened. I'll just keep singing. the rest of the line is bothered and bewildered, am I? So that's why it had to happen after Bewitched. And then he's saying, oh, bothered and bewildered, am I? Because... Yeah, but to me, he just didn't look bothered, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, he's a puppet, Jade. He's only got so much expression in that stupidly shaped <laughs> face of his. I think you are not giving Wayne enough credit, Lewis. I'm sure he could look more bothered and more bewildered if he tried very hard. <laughs> he's a leading man, Jade. He's not a character actor. So. <laughs> well, you know, in a few episodes, he's not going to have any stage time. So. He'll be an unemployed actor, so... <laughs> Can't imagine what that feels like. <laughs> let's okay, well, let's, move on. <laughs> uh, let's raise the intellectual level of the podcast, shall we? Get to the panel uh, show discussion. Yes, let's. With uh, Pierre Lacousse and uh, Emma's favourite, Gorgon Heap, is back. Gorgon Heap is back. <laughs> Gorgon Heap as a design really does alarm me. He reminds me of, do you guys remember the book Not Now Bernard? Yes. With the kid who keeps telling his mum, there's a monster who's, uh, he's messed up my room or he's done this or he's done that. And then the parents keep saying like, oh, not now, Bernard, Mm -hmm. don't bother us. And then eventually the monster eats him. And then the parents who still are just being very absent parents don't notice their child has been eaten. And so they just start treating the monster as Bernard. And it ends with the monster in bed looking really confused. And it's a really alarming book. That is alarming. (laughs) And Gorgon Heap just reminds me of uh, the monster from Not Now Bernard. This episode bringing up a lot of... (laughs) It's basically therapy. Yeah. (laughs) 
Mm. Oh, it's cheaper than my actual therapy, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Actually, no, Disney... No, it's still cheaper. It's still cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, I, I need to know how alarmed you were by Gorgon Heap in this, because obviously previously... <laughs> I know. We, we Me and Gorgon Heap have previous. Um, I think because now I know what Gorgon Heap does, I'm okay with it. Although it still was quite disturbing. But it was quite comical. I did like how he kind of started on the platter and then he started eating Pierre's hat and then Pierre. When he got round to trying to eat Kermit, I was a bit like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. But then I thought it was quite funny when like Vincent started to get involved (sighs) in that. And then he had his like comedy, like seasoned shaker, the like big silver. (laughs) The shakers were cracking me up all episode because you had them at the start with Under My Skin. You had them in this and then were they in another sketch as well? They just seemed to be everywhere. It just seemed to be like, oh, you know someone's getting eaten because there's a big salt shaker yeah. that's getting flown yeah, around. Yeah, once Gorgon I moved around the panel table to Kermit, you know, whatever that chef was, I knew he was a goner. But once you start, you know, gnawing on the lead, I was like, hold on a damn minute, this is too much. And then Vincent turned and I, oh, just... <laughs> A twist? It was. It was a good twist. I enjoyed this panel show, though, because it was exactly what we've said. Like, when the panel show is the most successful, it's when everyone on the panel show seems to take their role very, very seriously. Mm. It's not being played... Or they're not playing it for comedy. The chef and Vincent are having a discussion about like the best french cuisine and whatever gorgon heaps just eating everything because that's what gorgon heap does kermit's desperately trying to hold down the fort and then he is about to be eaten and i love that it turned and that you still got that like that slightly more menacing side of vincent price and yeah lewis as you it was the licking of the lips that uh kind of it went on for so long (laughs) it was it was a real (laughs) Lip smacking, unbroken eye contact, bit of tongue, bit of a chin move. It, it, it was a lot. It, it was a lot. It was, it was intense. But also, what I thought was quite interesting. I don't know if you guys noticed, but when um, Gorgon Heap came round to Kerbit, instead of you know, because obviously everyone we've seen who've been eaten by Gorgon Heap has kind of disappeared or like lifted up and then we see their little feet. Mm. He actually almost kind of like dived over Kermit and like we didn't really see him eat Kermit, if that makes sense. And I wonder if that was a choice they made. It would have just been too disturbing to see Kermit's little flippers disappearing oh. into Gorgon Heap. What are you yeah, laughing that at? Really... No, that would have just be genuinely very alarming. <laughs> It was bad enough seeing Piggy's legs just slowly <laughs> ingested. Yeah, oh my gosh, ago. yeah. <laughs> I think they were like, we need to dial it back for the kids. <laughs> I guess also like Kermit's, I mean, I know Kermit didn't originally start as Kermit, but Kermit had been Kermit for a very long time at this point. Sesame Street had been on screen. You know, he was he was very much a known figure. There was a reason he was the leader of the troops. So yeah, I guess. Whereas Piggy was just a nobody back in the uh, Sherlock Holmes sketch. Yeah. So she could get eaten very slowly and painfully <laughs> and nobody paid it no mind. And also what I think was a bit of a shame was the fact that Piggy was not in this episode at all. Mm. Can you imagine if mm. her and Vincent were in a sketch together? Oh my God, that would be amazing. I wonder if they just at the time, because Piggy was still this very new character, whether they just didn't 100% know how to like 
merge what they had of Piggy at this moment with... See, I thought it would be easy. You know, you have her... She is an actress and a performer. You have her be the in-danger ingenue. in distress or something. Yeah, yeah. or like yeah. a Bride of Frankenstein style. Yeah, that would have been funny. You know, yeah, it was strange to have her uh, be so absent. And I'm not sure why, because you feel like that would be such a, a rich... A rich text to a... Uh, they could ham it up together. Boom, boom, ching. Very good, Emma. Very good. <laughs> bad pun. Bad pun. <laughs> Speaking of bad puns, <laughs> the ballroom sketch. Hold on, wait, before we get to the ballroom Sorry, sketch. I'm just really obsessed with my segues today. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lewis, they're great, and I'm sorry I keep ruining them. The, uh, um... Kermit ended up in Statler and Waldorf's box. He did. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. Magic. I was like, I was like, what are you doing up there? Like, it's just, I don't know. I just really liked seeing him in the box with them. I wonder if I wondered if it was a sort of a, uh, a little bit again of the considering the child audience mm. and thinking maybe we need to show that Kermit is safe. Yeah. Uh, so he needs to pop up, albeit in a sort of a non sequitur sequence or scenario uh i think it perhaps might have been because of that you you can't show your uh your lead character get eaten and then just cut away to a, a ballroom sketch thinking he's dead yeah that's a very good point i think you, you you're quite possibly right there because i guess otherwise you wouldn't have seen him until the talk spot which would have actually been quite a while later wouldn't it yeah. so I also really enjoyed Statler and Waldorf saying that he needed to show them his ticket stub because it does prove that they have actually paid to go to the theatre and that they do actually have tickets or a season ticket or whatever to sit in that box. And I was just like, I love the idea that they are paying money to watch something that they actively hate. Just love it. <laughs> anyway, Lewis, speaking of bad puns. Well, as we say, speaking of things that they're paying to watch that they actively hate. <laughs> the ballroom sketch. <laughs> now, actually, to its credit, I loved that there was a bit of variation this week. They got the spookiness in there and there was a genuinely great joke right at the end where they don't serve spirits. <laughs> like, perfect. Great joke. Very good. I liked it. I don't know why they didn't also use the ghost's other joke about being movers and ghost to ghost on the damn houses Ugh. as well. I still don't understand why the houses are even like, you know, I think we've previously said condemn that neighborhood. Yes, burn it down. 100%. <laughs> Bulldoze but, it. But also like they've written that joke. So why didn't they, you know, if you have that joke, have a ghost pop up in one of the houses or something and like use it there. <sighs> yeah, so the um, the at the dance sequence was really interesting this week because it was only George and Mildred who were our kind of usual ballroom mm. couple. Everyone else was like mm. Frackles or the vampire or the ghosts or yeah, they'd completely mixed it up for this for this episode. Sadly, they didn't also mix up the quality of yes. writing, but at least there was still a bit of variation uh, within it. The spirits joke was by far and away the, mm, the yeah, best it was one that was. Yeah. 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 But again, we have not got much longer to go on the ballroom now. We're we are counting down. Counting down. We're in the home stretch. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> cannot wait. That first episode where we don't see it. My god, we're gonna be giddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my only fear is what's going to happen to Mildred. Oh. Well 
do you want me to find out right this minute or do you want to wait? No, 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 no. We'll 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 save that for season two, Jade, please. We can we can spin off into one of those very popular uh, mystery podcasts. <laughs> what happened to Mildred Huxtetter? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think she like ran away and went to go and join Charles and just was part of his like tour. Me too. <laughs> yes, maybe on the Riviera or the south the south of France. She's on a yacht. She's on a yacht. She took French bread with her and they lived happily ever <gasps> after. Oh, French bread. <laughs> Hmm. No, I'm sad I'm not hugging some French bread. Now, what did you both make of the UK spot? Because I'll tell you something. I did not know that the Muppets in the 70s or even, you know, Disney Plus now would be willing to spend that uh, Lennon and McCartney money on a little UK spot number. I mean, like... Was that a Be- Was that a Beatles song? It is indeed. It's from Rubber Soul. It's called I'm Looking Through You. Wow. I had no idea whatsoever. Did you just think I it mean, was a, a silly ghosty song? I thought it was maybe just a, a, a you know, a, a, a standard that I didn't recognise. It happens on occasion, Jade. You know, <laughs> yes. you know, as much as working six years in a 1940s themed <laughs> cocktail bar does inundate you with a number of standards from the time or the great American songbook, it does every so often you find one you haven't heard before. It did actually kind of remind me of the like bit in uh, Muppets Christmas Carol with Jacob Marley and mm. oh my goodness, what's his other name? Jacob and Robert Marley. Sorry, That's Robert Marley. His name's Bob Marley. Oops. <laughs> 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 no, but their song it had a, like quite a similar vibe to it, and obviously. If you're saying, Jade, it was a Lennon and McCartney song. That is interesting. They must have had to pay some sort of residual, so... But they would not be able to put that on Disney Plus now without paying the standard, whatever the Beatles rights say that you have to pay in order to get it. Because I did also see that on... Well, when the episode had been included on, like, DVD releases and stuff, it had been cut on some of them. So they hadn't paid it, obviously. They did want to pay that residual. Yeah, no. (laughs) Which is totally fair. It's a UK spot. Like, what? Yeah, very fair. I mean, if you're going to pay Beatles money, surely you want everyone to see it. Like... <laughs> but maybe it's... Look, maybe this... This song is hardly the most well-known Beatles well, no. song. So I wonder if there's like a, a sliding scale. An album track on Rubber Soul is not the same as like trying to get a hard day's night or something. Yeah. It's like 10p per play. <laughs> Uh, Emma, <laughs> I don't think Paul McCartney is living on 10p per play from <laughs> But actually, to just to sort of move beyond the, uh, the song itself, that particular kind of uh, overlay that they use to uh, superimpose the ghosts onto what they have filmed, and I don't know if it's a combination of just the way the puppets are built and the sort of semi-translucent material that you must have on the puppets but it's always such an effective illusion particularly with their ghosts because i remember it from muppet christmas carol as well not so much statler and waldorf because you know they're pretty 
built. But the ghost of Christmas past, who they seem to have filmed entirely underwater because she has that really kind of translucent... Uh, I saw someone once describe the ghost of Christmas past in Muppet's Christmas Carol as a, a sentient poached egg. Because <laughs> it's got that kind of, you know, the sort of... Uh, like albumony, like... Um, yes, yeah. egg yolky yeah, kind of yeah. semi-translucent sort of bobbing around but even in these much more simple puppets it's a really effective way to infer a ghost i think it just works so well and far better than you know the first thing that comes to mind is the somewhat good somewhat bad ghostbusters movie they brought out mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago the, the the all-female one all of the ghosts in that didn't really feel particularly because they're all just very yeah. cgi'd yeah. in and there's something more about that particular use of an overlay or, you know, superimposing something onto the image and the way it's been shot beforehand that lets the background bleed through. That feels so much more uh, visceral and real and tangible than just a CGI effect. It's one of those times where something a bit more homespun or simple, I think, actually gets much better results. I think they look amazing. And I think, like... Mm. You know, it's a simple setup. It's a static camera in the backstage area. Obviously, Fozzie only comes in towards the end. And I mean, I thought Fozzie was brilliant. He was like, he was genuinely petrified. He was so cute. And and then when he came back at the end and was like batting them away, it was adorable. Um, But yeah, the the effect of the ghosts was brilliant. And, And actually, like some of the CG that we've seen, like with the butterflies and different things before has been has been a bit touch and go, hasn't it? And like this actually was was really, really lovely, really well done. I mean, yeah, obviously it's just a I like you said, Lewis, I don't know what material they're using for those for those Muppets, but I gauze. guess <laughs> I just like saying the word gauze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way that it sort of flutters and moves and mm. like I was really watching and like you can't see that like it's being puppeted if you know what i mean like it's Mm. so clever the way that they've edited it and like obviously done the cutout so that it is just these three ghosts like hovering and moving around and everything like i i just i really really did enjoy it and i really like that they were you know that they still are pushing the boundaries of what they're doing and still experimenting and trying new things and yeah like in a way, I mean, I don't know what else would have been the UK spot because there wasn't actually anything else in this episode that I think could have been the UK spot. So, no. but like, I do think it's actually a bit of a shame that this wasn't something that was seen by all audiences when it originally aired because I know we did see the ghosts in other in other sketches and like they popped up in a backstage bit and everything as well. But this was obviously their kind of like their big moment of the whole mm. episode. And yeah, it makes me a little bit sad that not everyone got to got to see them bobbing around, dancing around, scaring Fozzie. Mm. It was just a really, really nice UK spot. And I mean, talking about like Piggy being missing, obviously it did also mean we didn't get any Rolf in this episode. Oh yeah. God, I didn't even clock that. I did. Yeah. Mm. No Dr. Bob. No Dr. Bob. (laughs) I did tell you, Emma, that it's going to be a while. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking about what you were saying about why they didn't show this song in America. And obviously, if it's a McCartney and Lennon song, I have a bit of a weird theory, and I might have gone going too left field with this, but I was watching a programme yesterday called John Lennon, A Life in Ten Pictures, 
And they were saying at one point when they went to go and tour in 1966 in America, and this was the last time they toured in America, before they did that, they all had profiles done in this newspaper. And one of the comments that John Lennon made was that the Beatles were bigger than God or Jesus. Jesus, And apparently when they went over there, like every single news conference they went to, everyone was just like, why would you say that, John? And he literally was just like you know everyone was going at him and everything and then there were like these things and like the they were showing these news reports where people were like burning their cds and burning like records and not cds sorry records and you know memorabilia and stuff and then also in the 70s i think was around that time was when he was trying to get him and yoko were trying to get citizenship in america Mm -hmm. and it was like a massive court case and it was because they were quite political and quite outspoken yeah, that's my... I'm sure it's probably not, but I just... It's an interesting theory of it, but I think it might have just been because America needed to play the ad. Yeah, no, right, I think that's an interesting point, because they easily could have... There weren't that many songs in this episode. They easily could have done it as an actual sketch and made something else the UK spot if they'd really wanted to. We've seen in other episodes where something was meant to be the UK spot and then they've changed it. So... Hmm. And, and and maybe it was also a rights thing as well. Like, maybe it was one hmm. thing to clear the UK rights for a Beatles song, but quite another to clear the US rights for... Oh, yeah, I'm sure they would have definitely been aware of what the uh, potential... As in, yeah, what the cost... Yeah, so if they can be like, oh, well, it's only going to be shown in this particular territory. Yeah, it costs X. That probably saves some yeah. money, yeah. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, I mean, that is an interesting... I think we, I well, I certainly kind of forget that, like, especially John Lennon was not necessarily the kind of figure that we think of him now as, mm. I guess, especially at, like, that sort of time, like, end of the 60s into the 70s. It was quite, quite different how people reacted to, like, him and Yoko. Particularly Yoko. Yes, well. Poor I was Yoko. Say, that's, that's another, that's another discussion. <laughs> Um, Speaking of discussion, <laughs> let's move into the chat segment. Lewis, did you go on a course for segues this week that we don't know about? <laughs> it's my it's my new uh, side hustle career. It's all this uh, integration with business conferences. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm used. To, I, I feel like I should have a PowerPoint presentation behind me, just sort of segueing through my uh, my TED talk, as it were. There is. Something so alarming about seeing Kermit the Frog grow fangs and then attack Vincent Price in the neck. It's... Oh, I know! It was so alarming. And I've seen that little clip before, well, as a gif on Twitter. But actually to see it in action, just to see Kermit go for the jugular, it's just like... (laughs) He really goes as well. Like, he moves at the speed of He slams into it. He does. It's brutal. So much so you can then kind of... (laughs) You can see in the sort of on the top of Kermit's head, you can see the ridges of Jim's hand. And so it makes it almost more alarming. You're like, oh, he's just choking Vincent Price. <laughs> That's an old man. Be careful. He's a national treasure. <laughs> Although I suppose he's at least going to live for another, well, almost another 20 years after this point. Because Jim... Yeah, because Edward Scissorhands is nineteen. Uh, I think it was ninety three, which I think I think he might have died ninety three or ninety four. That Edward Scissorhands was yes, his, he died before it came yeah, out. Was his yeah. last role. Oh, so okay, fifteen to seventeen yeah. years. But left. still, okay, but yeah. still. <laughs> yeah, no, he was not a young man at this point, and, and <laughs> yeah, I had eyes, Jade. I could see. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if I even really focused too much on what preceded it, because just that image was 
just burned into my retinas of just and 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 Vincent really you know sells it properly. It's great, but yeah, something about seeing your these familiar characters in a more macabre or twisted sense. It's kind of like the Simpsons Halloween specials, where somehow in places it feels more alarming because it's this otherwise very familiar character being suddenly so strange. I really enjoyed the talk spot overall. I felt like you did actually get a sense of Vincent Price's character and what they were talking about, like, yes, they were still talking about monsters and they were talking about there was the the kind of gag which led to Kermit attacking him about, like, oh, I've trained for many years and it's very, you know, it's very difficult. And then you had the sight gag of Vincent with the fangs and everything. But it mm. felt... I mean, it just felt so sort of in keeping with everything else in the episode. Like, it felt very camp, but Vincent was, like, totally committed and into it. They, they did also seem to just have a very genuine repartee that wasn't, that mm. wasn't like, your Connie Stevens menage a trois or whatever. Like, it was just, it, it just sort of felt like two, two friends having a bit of a chat kind of thing. Vincent had a very natural rapport yeah. with all of the mm. Muppets in all the sketches. He never felt out of place. He was very, no. yeah, he had a very good manner with the Muppets. Yeah, completely. He did, yeah. And actually, I thought it was quite nice as well in the um, the talk spot that the cutaway to the audience was obviously all the Muppet monsters. Mm-hmm. I thought that was quite a nice touch, obviously carrying along the theme of the episode. Yeah, completely. They looked like such a ragtag bunch in the audience, didn't they? Bunch of freaks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of them paid for their ticket. <laughs> I think there's like a, there will be like a pile of... Uh... <laughs> Muppet front of house staff who have been torn <laughs> limb from limb. <laughs> yeah, bloodbath. Oh. And poor George is going to have to go <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> clean up the blood and the butter from the popcorn. <laughs> All right, Emma. <laughs> yeah, that's just from Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I do not enjoy being made a figure of fun. <laughs> well. <laughs> Life already does that for me, Jane. I don't need it for my podcast house as well. <laughs> You're the one that talks, spent five minutes talking about how you like to shovel in popcorn. <laughs> All right. I was adding a bit of personal colour to the podcast, Jade. Okay? We are not NPR. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which then means that you're uh, liable for a little bit of light poking following on from that. <laughs> well, I wasn't really planning to have my light poking on <laughs> committed to the podcast, Jade. Anyway, I can't even think of a link now. Look, you throw me so off my game. My segue uh, abilities have disappeared. <laughs> to go back on that course <laughs> just repeat like synergy in your head <laughs> synergy 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 i'll show you synergy <laughs> and then we go into the news flash Yay. and i just thought this was such a good sketch yeah. it was so nice to like not see accent showcase <laughs> Or some weird joke that doesn't land, or someone trying to pretend to like be a random person <laughs> doing some random invention or something yes. happening. And it was just so clever because, like, when he started talking and saying about the uh, the furniture ate the eight, and like for people not to worry, and then you kind of pull out and you've got the man sat in his like front room watching the TV, and then the little like stool he sat on comes to life <laughs> and then it starts trying to bite him and he's like trying to bat it away and then like uh like 
the uh, bureau. Sort of, <laughs> the bureau, that's it, comes alive and the Chesterfield. Starts chasing him. <laughs> the Chesterfield, yeah, name and obscure furniture now. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously like the lamp and everything. And I just thought it was really clever and really funny. And that poor little man Muppet, he looks so he terrified. <laughs> yeah. He was absolutely petrified. When the sketch started, I was really thrown because obviously the the Muppets is filmed in 4.3 aspect ratio. But when they started the sketch, I was like, wait, has the newsflash always had the banner of a TV screen around it? And if it has, why have I never noticed that before? And then I thought, maybe... I think something spooky is going on here. And then we started panning out. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. They're taking the Muppet Newsflash. We're seeing a Muppet watch it and then seeing the effect of it. What a cool little twist on a already kind of familiar uh, sketch. I thought it was great. It was really cool. It was really clever. And I also loved that you had that juxtaposition between the Muppet newsman continuing to tell everyone not to panic, that furniture can't attack you, it can't come to life, as you're seeing the absolutely petrified Muppet man <laughs> run around his apartment as mm. as his furniture is growing fangs and chasing after him and attacking him. And like, it was just... Yeah, again, it just felt like a another development of like the comedy language of the show that mm. it's an established part of the show and that, that now they can sort of play with it in a bit of a meta way. Because again, like, what's the Muppet Newsflash in terms of like in the theatre? Who's it actually for? Like, it doesn't make sense as part of the show, does it? But actually, in a way, this makes more sense as a little sketch than just having a newsflash as part of the series. And then, mm. I mean, you almost had like a double button yes. at the end, didn't you? Because you had the TV turning into the into a monster. Which was genuinely quite alarming looking. Very alarming. It was terrifying. Alarming. When those teeth folded down and the eyes yeah. just sort of shut up, I was like, ah! <laughs> But then also, and like, you could see it coming, but then also that the, the Muppet newsreader got engulfed by his desk as well. It was great. It was a great, like, fun escalation, really cool Muppets and just a lovely, just a lovely sketch, basically. Like, I I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was really good. And there was also a funny little um, shout out to uh, Dave Gould's in there too. I don't know if you both heard it. Yes, I heard the, Dave, Dave yeah. Gould's, yeah. Mm. Which again, perfect spooky name. He was the inspector. Oh, was he called yeah. Inspector Gould? Like in an Inspector Calls as well. But it's Dave Gould's Oh yeah, I know, but Puppets also that's, it's a, so it could be a double reference. Yeah, yeah. A pun. A pun. Yes, because yes. of the Inspector Ghoul yes. in, in Inspectacles. I get it. I get it. Uh, spoiler. He's a ghost. <laughs> he's there to teach those rich people about their <laughs> terrible ways. <laughs> I love that play. That's right. I have highbrow interests too. <laughs> <laughs> so we should probably just uh, stop in at these two little uh, moments we have after the news flash and before the final number. <laughs> <laughs> We have a brief little uh, scene with Sweetums, which, from my notes, all I have is Vincent Price's look to camera is so camp. <laughs> That's all I had for that entire... Was that after he said it was his kind of joke? <laughs> I think it was both as he received the hand and then after he said his line as well. <laughs> there was two two sort <laughs> of campy eyebrow raises and... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It was quite alarming to see Sweetums hand over a hand. It was 
I mean, I guess this is a different, This, although this was also a repeated joke because we had it at the goodbyes as well. Yeah. This is like one of the only other sort of different ghoulish jokes other than people eating each other, yeah. isn't it? By this point, my uh, sort of internal reality of The Muppet Show was just out the window. So I just thought, yep, fine, take your hand <laughs> off, <laughs> whatever. Nothing matters this week. <laughs> it's just, we're all on a one-way ghost train to crazy town. So that's just, <laughs> oh no, that's a boat. Um, <laughs> choo-choo, there we go. Jesus. I'm not even hung over this week. <laughs> no one's going to believe you. <laughs> I know, and I'm really disappointed because I, <laughs> and I worry that the tally is probably that I've done more episodes hungover than I've done fully sober. I don't think that's true, but God, I hope it's I not. I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh dear. Oh, no, I didn't even have a drink yesterday. Well done, Lewis. Thank you. <laughs> that's because I was hungover yesterday. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I think I know who was hungover when they wrote the damn houses sketch. <laughs> oh, very nice. Oh, very nice segue, Jade. Yes, very thanks. good. Uh, I mean, if we're just reading out my notes, I have houses and then I just have in all caps, fuck off. <laughs> That's all I had. I was just... Wow. I was so... I was just so angry. And like, a haunted house joke. How can you not find one? I. It's just so infuriating. It's it's it is really bizarre because if you think about the whole tone of the episode and like you said, all the different gags, it would have been perfect. It actually might have slightly redeemed them to have some sort of like haunted house just on the street and a little gag. But no, they made a, a hospital gag, which literally made no sense. <laughs> it wasn't even a joke. It wasn't. It was, they know... just said one thing and then another thing. <laughs> yeah, he's into medicine. Hospital, great. Okay, wonderful. Like, yeah, no, there could have been there could have been so much. You could have had something about like I've got a headache. There's a ghost rattling around my attic, or like I I don't know. Like Jade, maybe don't try and pitch a joke if you're not certain on what. <laughs> I know, but I'm just like I'm just there's all sorts of things they could have said that's like ghosty, hauntedy. Like I don't know. I've like. That was not my pitch. I was just think. I was just like free associating around yeah. like the kind of things that they could say. Oh, to be honest, Jade, that's probably what the writers' room was doing anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know they could have used like the three little ghosts. That would have been quite fun, you know, like that they've used throughout the episode. Yeah, exactly. I think I think they could have done that too, Emma. Like they could have. I don't know. It could have been something about like the neighborhood as like going to the dogs or something and then you see that like the three ghosts are moving into one of the houses or something (laughs) wow what a zinger jade (laughs) i don't it's better than a hospital and like medicine i don't know no i'm only teasing and i'm being quiet because i was mostly trying to think of a joke and i couldn't think of well then so well well at least i had the presence of mind to keep my mouth shut (laughs) should we move on to the final song of the episode Yes, certainly. I'll have the presence of mind to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> oh, shut! I don't. I love your opinions. I just don't like your pictures. <laughs> I told you I wasn't pitching. I was just sort of like trying to think of like roughly what they could have done that might have been ever so slightly better than medicine and hospitals. I am only teasing. I, I appreciate all the contributions you make to this podcast. Oh, thanks, Lewis. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. Look. Okay. <laughs> this song here we are what did you think <laughs> <laughs> oh dear 
and you need some love and care. And nothing, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me, and soon I will be there to brighten up even your darkest night. You just call out his name, and you'll know wherever you are, he'll come running to see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or fall All you have to do is call And I'll be there Yes, he will You got a friend Yeah, I thought um, for kind of like Vincent's big ending number Quite an interesting kind of song to go with You've got a friend and I mean, I quite like the whole haunted mansion vibe that we went for again. We've got the organ with the skulls and uh, Vincent wearing a very interesting wig. <laughs> yes, that that could do with a brush. I don't know what they were, what look they were trying to achieve, but it almost just looked like it was a windswept the Rachel from Friends. It just. <laughs> I think he was meant to look like a werewolf, wasn't he? Because he had hairy hands and everything. Yeah, but they've done nothing to his actual face. I was getting werewolf vibes off of it. Mm. I know what you mean. Like he didn't have particularly like werewolfy makeup, but I think, I think that's what they were sort of alluding to, even if they hadn't yeah. necessarily gone the whole hog. Or maybe like the beast from Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to achieve. <laughs> He's a characterful singer. Were there some notes in there? For sure. Were they in the right place? I do not know. (laughs) (laughs) He was kind of doing the sort of talking He was, yeah. He He wasn't actually... He was doing the, um, oh, what's his name? Rex Harrison. (laughs) He was Rex Harrison-ing. 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 Yeah. I thought it was pretty cute just to have this sort of creepy version of this Carol King classic... The episode actually had like a nice mix of contemporary songs and then like more classics with your Frank Sinatra and your mm. Rogers and Hart and whatever. But like the the fact that they'd done this sort of like slightly creepy twist on it and then also that you actually had the opportunity then to see some of the more monstrous Muppets, but in in a kind of sweet and cute staging. I liked that interplay between the sort of aesthetic and then the message, which I know it was still meant to be slightly creepy. That's like this eerie looking guy is going to be your friend and he's always going to be there for you. And you probably don't want that. But actually, like, it was very much more in that sort of Muppets earnestness vibe, which I quite like. Yes, it was kind of like they'd combined the earnest Muppet final number with the Muppet twist in a song, you know, with a concept that we've put on it mashed together a monster mash if you will uh no all right <laughs> you're just gonna give me nothing now aren't you because i took the piss out of your uh <laughs> pitching joke <laughs> Ooh, tough crowd tough crowd <laughs> just, is this thing on oh it's a ketchup bottle sorry 
<laughs> no, not even that. Oh my god, that's like my A material. Lewis, I'm going to suggest that you grow two other heads so that you can always have a successful audience experience. <laughs> I don't need to grow two other heads. I just have one big one. So that's fine. There you go. That got it. It's self-deprecating joke. I've got you. I've won you back. You didn't need to win me back. I was just. I shall not be denied it. I shall not be denied a laugh. I need it. It's how I validate myself. <laughs> oh, oh now this is my therapy session. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Bismore. <laughs> yes, it was a very fun... <laughs> I'm just going to drag this back onto, <laughs> onto the rails. It was, a, it was a fun number, but not that it felt flat. It just felt a bit... It had really nowhere to go beyond more Muppets joined. We got the ghosts again, which was nice. Yeah, it just, it was lacking a, a, just a little something else. But I still enjoyed it. And Vincent Price was incredibly game again. And I have come away with a, <laughs> I was going to say high opinion. But I respect Vincent Price's not taking himself too seriously. Yeah, absolutely. He totally threw himself into it. And like, even though you obviously can tell he's not a great singer because he was Rex Harrisoning, mm. like he obviously was totally happy to do it, wasn't he? And he looked like he was having so much fun. He <laughs> like did, yeah. Hanging out with with, I mean, it looked like he was having lots of fun with all of them. But I actually think that with this one, it did feel like the culmination of the episode. And like, this is my big final number. Mm. And yes, I'm going out on a on a happy sort of note. And then I think like. That followed through into the goodbyes, didn't it? With him playing the prank on Kermit with with his hand mm. as well. And that sort of... Yeah, I don't know. It just it The whole episode just had this sort of light-hearted, zany, slightly macabre. I really did enjoy it. I, I felt like they'd really thought about the sort of tone and the style of the episode and there was a cohesion to it. And I do genuinely think he was a very good host for yeah. The Muppet Show. And I think they were able to actually push some of the sort of character development and also some of the sort of technical aspects of it in a way that actually makes me a bit sad that he didn't come in a later season. Yes. Just because they they obviously would have probably been a bit more sure of themselves and able to do even more. And then maybe we would have had slightly less eating people jokes. <laughs> but actually this was... This was a really fun 27 minutes of television. I will be very interested to see how we're each going to uh, individually rank the episode. But uh, if there is no other business, let's move on to our rankings and ratings for the week. First of all, we have to do our MVMP, our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, who was your MVMP for the week? Well... It was interesting because I kind of had a couple in mind, but then I thought, actually, this week I was going to give my MVMP to Gonzo. It was just really nice to see him in that House of Horror sketch. (laughs) And like you said, you both said earlier, it was nice to see him not doing like bad puns or be like a sad sack or an (laughs) artist as we've seen in earlier episodes. It's really nice to see like the interplay between him and Fozzie. And he had some good lines and some good gags. And I thought it was just like quite a strong sketch that we've seen him in because he's definitely varied a lot over the episodes. And I did think we had a little bit more of a like development in his character. So yeah, for this week, um, my MVMP is going to be Gonzo. Um, How about you, Jay? I agree, Emma. It was really nice to see Gonzo in 
slightly more of a usual Gonzo mm. way than than we have seen previously in the season. But my MVMP for the week is the ghosts because <gasps> I just really loved seeing them. I thought they were technically so well done. They were so well puppeted. Um, and also, like, I just really loved that they kept popping up throughout the whole episode. You know, we had them in the haunted house. We had them in the UK spot. We had them a little bit backstage. And then, obviously, the final You've Got a Friend number as well. Like, there was just this sort of consistency. And in a way, it almost became a little bit of a, almost like a bee runner, I guess, that, that we had the ghosts running through it too. I have no idea if we're going to see them again or <laughs> if they're going to become part of the Muppet troupe or, you know, or part of the lore of the theatre that the theatre is actually slightly haunted or anything. But I thought it was really nice. They were really well done. And I guess also thinking about what we talked about and like what we've talked about, a lot of the other Muppets that we saw, even if they weren't kind of like our main Muppets, they were Muppets that we've seen previously, like Gorgon Heap and Behemoth and stuff, like kind of doing what we know that they do. Whereas the ghosts did feel fresh and different and new. So yeah, I, I'm i going with the ghosts. Lewis, who's your MVMP? Jade, we had exactly the same thought. I am also awarding my MVMP to the ghosts. I thought they were just a really lovely design, really well used, and they added just a really interesting, different but consistent element to this episode that I really appreciated. And I agree that I think it's really a shame that their sketch that used them the most was the UK spot that then meant that a lot mm. of people didn't get to see them. And, you know, it's not that they were exactly funny or something. It's it's not that they were adding some sort of uh, joie de vivre, but I just really appreciated what el- whatever the hell else they were bringing. <laughs> I just thought they were really nice. I thought they were good. I liked them. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our rankings for the week. Jade, let's start with you. I am intrigued. <laughs> I am going to go with six and a half vampire weeklies <laughs> out of ten. God's sake, <laughs> I have to find something else now. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> should have gone first. <laughs> <laughs> I did that before and then I threw myself off. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, I can't help it that you have chosen that you can't win either way, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think that this episode has a cohesion of a theme which we haven't seen at all before. I think it used the host really, really well. In all of the sketches except the houses, there was genuine thought and effort to to play that line of horror and scariness and eeriness while also very much playing to a family audience. And I just, I enjoyed seeing Vincent Price interact with all of these different Muppets, whether that was monsters or whether that was, you know, Gonzo, Kermit, Fozzy, whoever. I mean, I've kind of gave my little roundup a second ago, but I do just really feel like actually this episode has pushed the show on a little bit. It's got a bit more going on Mm. than just sketches that stand completely separate without character development or without any sort of sense of them linking into one big show or whatever yeah i think there were there were maybe some some moments like the haunted house sketch that like doesn't really land now because jack parnow is not a famous person (laughs) um and and i and and like there were other things like the fact that there was like the repeated gag of things getting eaten that you just think like even if one of those had been changed it might not have been this sort of this really really repetitive kind of gag throughout Mm. the whole thing but actually overall this is definitely one of the episodes i've enjoyed 
the most. There's a few things stopping it from sort of getting up to the level of like a Connie Stevens or whatever, but actually like I did I did thoroughly enjoy it. And I suppose it also makes me excited for when the Muppets maybe do have other guests that are a bit like Vincent Price, you know, in that they're kind of known for being a bit a bit more dark or a bit more macabre <laughs> like or whatever. Elvira or <laughs> Mistress of the Dark. I don't know if she'll pop up. <laughs> <laughs> but like that they're they've got that I don't want to say they've got that range that makes it sound far too serious, but like essentially they're they're kind of the Muppets and the Muppet creators a game for playing up to those hosts' strength, even if it doesn't necessarily fit entirely with like you were saying, Lewis, like what we kind of think of the Muppets now, you know, how how the Muppets are presented now. But yeah, six and a half vampire Vikleys. <laughs> Emma what's your rating for this week this week um i'm gonna give this episode seven k sarah sarahs out of ten (laughs) um i think purely because overall i think it is a good episode and it actually has quite a strong consistency in terms of the sort of level of sketches and songs and also I, i quite like the fact that it has got an ongoing theme throughout the episode And, you know, I quite enjoyed seeing Gonzo again and him having a bit more to do and to say and also the ghosts. And Vincent, I think everything he was in, I thought he really put his all into it. And I just thought that, to be honest, most of the sort of songs and sketches were quite strong. I mean, the house is not so much. And I mean, even at the dance, which... Mm. isn't particularly my favorite i thought they they did it quite well considering they were like carrying on the theme of um you know the horror vibe and everything but i wouldn't go any higher than the seven because there were bits that i think they could have kind of improved on or like included like i said earlier it would have been nice to see miss piggy in this episode i think that would have worked really well like something with her and vincent so yeah so this week i'm going to give it Seven K Sarahs out of ten. How about you, Lou? I am going to give it uh, three sets of fangs, equaling six teeth <laughs> out of ten. Hold on, Kermit's fangs or Vincent Price's fangs? So one pair of Kermit's, <laughs> one pair of Vincent's, and then one that will be independently purchased from elsewhere. <laughs> uh, I I agree with you both. I I think I loved that there was a a full proper theme throughout the episode. And I think that Vincent was a really great host with great rapport and camaraderie with the other Muppets. I didn't love the repetitive nature of a lot of the sketches being and such and such gets eaten or this thing gets eaten. But I was not bored. I liked it. It was fun. It wasn't the best. It was by no means the worst. And yes, it's a shame that we didn't maybe get the season three version of the Vincent Price episode of The Muppet Show, but this is still very good. And hopefully, as you say, Jade, what it might mean for The Muppet Show in the future, if we have to sacrifice Vincent Price as a <laughs> mineshaft canary. I don't know why I love the term mineshaft canary. I just really do. <laughs> to advance the writing and the show itself, then, you know, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vincent. <laughs> I don't think they didn't not make the best use of him Mm. like at this exact moment of where they are in their kind of development of the show. No, very true. I feel like this this is so much more of a stronger episode than say like a Harvey Corman or an Avery Schreiber or whatever, you know. But like, yeah, I think it's just about where we know the Muppets are going 
what else they might have been able to do with with him. Hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty, And you know, a way that we gain hindsight is by listening to philosophy. Perhaps by some Muppet philosophy from our own philosopher, Jade Turner. <laughs> Are you creeping, <laughs> Lewis? I, <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea what I'm doing at this point. I think I'm thinking about what I need to make for dinner. <laughs> I've got a little bit of sweet Jim Henson philosophy today, uh, which is, as usual, taken from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones. And a quote from Henson himself is... Television is one of the greatest connectors around. The world is an immense network of human relationships and peace and the resolution of conflict can only come through greater awareness of our connections. I think it's possible to change the world by reinforcing our interconnectedness, the spirit of one family of man to the children of the world. Hmm, that's really nice. I believe in the power of television too. <laughs> And the power of podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Muppetsational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of Muppet Sational. I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jake Turner. Bye. And I've been Emma Chandler. And we shall see you next week on another episode of Muppet Sational. Bye. 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 Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod. And our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on instagram 